Eurydice by Sarah Rule. First movement, scene one. A young man, Orpheus, and a young woman, Eurydice. They were swimming outfits from the 1950s. Orpheus makes a sweeping gesture with his arm. Hi, I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood, the English class that you always wanted. Where we analyze the Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus books through a new theme every week. Slay. Slay. Yes. Ava, Neve, how are we? <laughs> okay. Um, I did accidentally take a two and a half hour nap on my couch this afternoon. Um, because I, I was going to do so many things. Um, but my roommate is at work. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to like, this is like 5 30 PM. Um, I'm like, I'm going to watch like one episode of the ultimatum, which I'm now watching, but not with my roommate. Cause we tried to watch it and she hates it. She's like, these people are too stupid. I really can't do it. Um, and I was like, I'll just watch one episode. And I was like, Hmm. I'm a little tired. I was like, whatever, I'll probably just rest my eyes for like 20 minutes. Absolutely not. Um, so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little dazed, but okay. I'm in general, I'm chilling. The weather is getting colder. Um, leaves are falling very nice. Um, yeah, just sleepy. How are you, Neve? I'm good. Um, I, Actually, it was actually quite a good day today. I had a very peaceful and normal day at both of my jobs, uh, which was very nice. I had a very normal couple hours online to do my little social media job. Um, and people there have been a little rude to me recently. <laughs> so I'm glad that they were normal. Um, it, it's just like, you know, internet. I might be reading it wrong because like things over email and Slack message are always harder to decode if they're like actually being rude. But um, yeah, that was nice. And then I worked a double and I got let out of it early and it was lovely. And it was also like, I was like, oh my God, I can't fucking believe I'm working this double. That's so upsetting. Cause they were, it, it was supposed to be like, like 12 hours long, but, um, luckily it was only nine. Um, nice. <laughs> and, and, um, I was kind of like, getting upset about it. But then for some reason, when I got there, as people started like coming in for like the lunch shift and stuff, it was like every person that I've enjoyed working with so far was like scheduled for this Wednesday. Oh <laughs> it was like, I was like, this is so great. Okay. This makes this double better that for some reason. And then when like the dinner shift came in, I was like, is it going to be anyone weird? And then it wasn't, it was just more people that I like working with. And I was like, love. Okay. Um, and then I had to go early. So that was fun. Um, and they made really good fish for dinner at in our break room guys I work at such a fancy place it's really like crazy they like make us like a hot meal every day for our breaks I don't understand how they afford it quite frankly because there's a lot of people who work there and they're like also paying us to be there I guess they're not paying us to eat though we do have to clock out for our breaks um but yeah pretty good day a little tired um and I don't really get to sleep in tomorrow so that's upsetting mm. uh, but Friday I do so it's okay. How are you, Brayden? Oh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm a little run down. Uh, I am working too much. Um, I My third job, my money, extra money job, my non-career job, um, is, I think, has proven to be too much for what I'm doing. 
um, and I'm in the market for a replacement because while I enjoy it a lot, the hours of working in a nightclub are not sustainable with the hours of working theater. One, they overlap a lot, so it's a scheduling problem. And I'm tired. I'm very tired. I'm very exhausted. I cannot do days where I'm working from 9.30 in the morning until 2 a.m. Yeah, that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. I, I'm i struggling because of that, but I'm happy to be here um, because this is always one of the joys of my week. Um, and I actually feel like I'm doing something important when I do this podcast, which is silly, but it's like... Is it? I listen. Yeah. I'm so stunned every single time. Brayden's like, so here's the numbers. Like, hi everyone. Damn. I know, right? It's literally crazy to me that this is not just like a little book club that we're having on our own. Like, I know, I know. It feels like so it. Crazy. I think what what I mean to say is like, it's nice to feel like an important part of a project. Mm. I'm just like entering the like early careers world where it's like there's it's a lot of work but it also feels like if you weren't there the work would still get done yeah um mm-hmm. and it's just that's just kind of the reality of like entering the workforce yeah <laughs> and entry-level jobs um but it's like where you don't really feel like you're doing anything that's like needs to be done that someone else couldn't do but so it's nice to be doing something like this where like I actually feel like I'm yeah my my presence is required. I agree. I feel you. appreciated places, but like <laughs> like I'm I'm not ragging on my other jobs, but that's just the reality of some of the, the, yeah. the, the my other jobs is just like I this is my our thing. Like and it's nice that and it's our thing. And so that's nice. It's nice to have ownership over something. Um, so sweet. That yeah. was so sweetie. <laughs> well, welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we're doing something a little different. We're spicing it up, guys. A little speechy. A little speechy? A little speechy, a speechy spicy meatball. <laughs> right. No, of course. For sure. <clears throat> Do people know that video, right? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't? Love. I thought um, you were making it up. No. <laughs> oh, my God, Ava. You'll love it. No, I'm certain. It feels like something I will really enjoy. Um, so just after, after this video or after this uh, podcast <laughs> episode, um, please go ahead for your sake and look up a spicy spicy meatball. I got you. And then get back to me later. Right. Um, we're talking about plays. Uh, one play in particular. <laughs> I was like, plural. Um, <clears throat> to Eurydice by Sarah Rule, originally directed by Mary Zimmerman. I didn't know that. Yes. I love Mary Zimmerman. What the fuck? Me too. Pro Mary Zimmerman podcast. I hope yeah. she hasn't done anything 
bad. I don't know her like that well. Like I don't yeah. either. And also, like I can't really imagine that. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't see her wreaking any kind of havoc. You know. But if she has, excuse me. Um, havoc. Um, it was originally written in two thousand and three. All right. Originally written sounds like it was written again, but no, no, it was it was just written. The play was it's, yeah. The publishing date is two thousand three. Nice. So we're kind of treading new waters here because we haven't talked about a play before. But um, let's kind of approach this a little like we approached the movies because that's kind of what it's standing in for. So like. What are each of our, if we have any history with encountering this play before, share that. And, or just like your impressions of this play, reading it this time, generally. I'm actually quite surprised I have never had to read this play before for any classes or anything. Um, It's funny because this type of episode, like where we tackle a play as opposed to a movie feels way more like like plays are so in our wheelhouse like as a group of like three people who majored in theater i'm like i don't know how the fuck we haven't like gotten here before but um we were trying to branch out we were trying to challenge ourselves (laughs) right right not Um, being in school i think yeah is a big influence on that we used to do this on the daily yeah true very true um i know it was like so refreshing to like read a little a little classic-y type play um, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize I knew anything about like the content actually of this play in terms of like the text, um, until I got to a part and I was like, I have heard multiple girls do this monologue before. That is, yep. Yep. Exactly. And I was like, oh my God, I know these words. I know. <laughs> um, which was a little funny. Um, but really beautifully written. I've written, I've, oh, hello, I've read, not written, um, snippets of various several things for various theater classes and such, but I've never really, like, dove deeply, d- dive, dove, whatever, um, into her work. Um, and I really enjoy her writing style. I really do. And I think it was, um, I'm always a little... A little enthusiast about people who modernize um, the 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 classic myths. Um, so it was fun. It was fun. I my analytical brain is not here today. So instead, we have the I recently woke up from a three hour nap brain, which will be really fun. Um, the thesis being really liked it. Yeah, that is exactly how I have interacted with this play. The girlies love this monologue. And you know what? Like, it is really, like, it's really good. And I wouldn't say it's, like, an overdone monologue or anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, anything from this show is, like, overdone. I think it is just, (laughs) like, like, I have, that was the only context I knew it in, was, like, hearing, hearing people do snippets of it. Either, like, I think I also saw somebody in a scene class like a pair like a scene partner duo do it once Mm -hmm. but it was in a zoom acting class 
So who knows? Like, honestly, I did not retain much information from any Zoom acting class that I ever took, but I'm pretty sure I saw someone do something from it. Um, but I had never read it in full. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really cool, but I'll wait till we start getting into the plot before I talk about my thoughts. I read this play in high school. I went to performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. I did an acting class where we worked with this play. <clears throat> um, that was fun. Um, it was weird because I, so I transferred into this performing arts school my sophomore year of high school. Most people have been going there since seventh grade. So they had done this play went to in middle school. Yes, yes, it was a middle school and high school. Um, Word. And so the middle school had done this play a couple years earlier when the people in my grade were in eighth grade. So they had all been the lead or maybe it was seventh grade, but they'd all been in uh, <clears throat> not all of them, but yeah. their grades had done Eurydice. Um, so it was weird. Cause I like, that's why they did in the acting class to like reapproach something they worked on. But like, I hadn't been there. So it was kind of weird because <laughs> of that. Um, but I really enjoy this play. That's why I wanted to go back to it because I really like Sarah Rule's writing. I think she's very, very poetic um, in the way she writes, in a way that I really appreciate. Um, I I like that this play approaches like a childlike poetry, but like intentionally, it's not like it's not like it's written for young audiences. It's they're playing with childhood and aging and like the adolescence that you approach as you age and get nearer to death. Anyways, um, <clears throat> but there's an intentionality with it. So that remains still poetic and it's not, it doesn't read like children's theater while it is really playing with a lot of childlike language and impression. I agree with that. So let's read through the Wikipedia summary and uh, talk about it as we go along, as we do. So this play consists of three movements divided into numerous scenes, seven in the first movement, 20 in the second movement, and three in the third movement. The play begins with Eurydice and Orpheus, two young lovers who are about to get married. That's kind of how the myth always starts. Mm -hmm. Um, in the underworld, Eurydice's dead father has managed to preserve his memory and, and his ability to read and write and tries to send her letters. During the wedding, Eurydice goes outside to get a drink of water and she meets a man, the nasty, interesting man, uh, who is what the character is called um, in the script. Uh, that was just Brayden's opinion. <laughs> who tells her he has a letter from her father. Eurydice decides to go to his apartment to retrieve the letter, but as she leaves his apartment after resisting the man's attempt to seduce her, she trips and falls to her death on the stairs. Indeed. What do we think about this departure from the the myth? I mean, I thought it was really interesting. And I think, like, she obviously has very significant grounds to stand on because I think, like the myth of Orpheus in Eurydice is 
I don't want to be like it's not necessarily event based, but it feels like more character centric than like event centric. Like it's not like she's trying to reinvent like the fall of Troy, um, which is more event centric than character centric. Um, so I thought it was really cool given that like basis to like take this relationship, fuck with it and like put these characters in um, like a world that like, at least in mainstream theater, I feel like hasn't been explored. Um, yeah. And I feel like it was a smart choice to reinvent this myth because of those things. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think it really made sense. I really like the, the, <clears throat> the changing of the beginning of this play that it feels like the play is called Eurydice and it from the get-go feels like her play, not Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> making her death be more important. You know, like yeah. there is a plot line to how she died and like there is in the myth, but in the like original myth, like, the gods are like, Orpheus is too uh, good at music. Therefore, Snake, some, it's like weird. Yeah. It's, yeah it there's also a lot sense. of retellings of it, but like her her dying is never about her. And this it is. Yeah. So yeah. yay for girl bosses dying. Right. But it's on their own terms. Yeah, on their own terms. <laughs> exactly. And I think that like, when I like compare it to like, like Hades Town has just been on the brain a lot recently because yeah. they're doing the whenever <laughs> I love Jordan Fisher, but when he's brought onto a project, I'm like, they're closing in the next three months. I'm like, this That's is when you know effort. Like when you bring Jordan Fisher onto the project, you are literally hoping and praying that it brings the crowds in. And yeah. it will, because he's amazing. Right. Like he'll do really well at it. But like, I don't know. He, no, he but that's when you know. Jared Hansen, like right before it closed to, yeah. <laughs> he is like a hail mary stunt cast. Um, so that's exactly. been on the brain a lot recently, and just like thinking, thinking about the intentionality of the like death moment of this myth, and that like this because the Hades Town retelling of it is like almost like like she was tricked and it's like similar in this like yeah that's that it's very similar to this yeah something else that like is trying to hurt her and not yeah. just like of orpheus is doing which i think is interesting so i liked it it was good good change at the beginning of the second movement there is no set change, but the movement to the underworld is marked by the entrance of stones. Little stone, big stone, and loud stone. Who serve as a chorus. Obsessed with loud stone. Obsessed <laughs> with loud stone. Because where the fuck did the pattern go? Also, I love the idea that a stone is loud. <laughs> I love the stones. The stones are everything. The They're, stones are us. The stones are our so us. The three of us. Literally. Little stone, big stone, and loud stone. Let us know in the comments who's who. Which one of us um, is which. Yeah. They're so silly. I love... Um, they act as the Greek chorus. And I think it's important that they make... That Sarah Rule maintains that, like, 
concept within her her focus on a Greek play um, or a modern version of a Greek play. But I like that they're just like rude. They they just like they just be talking shit. They are like the the Muppets, uh, Waldorf and Statler. They oh, of are. Course. They so but the are. The thing <laughs> about Greek choruses is, Korai? Cool. Anyways, <laughs> is that they're always fucking rude. But like That's you, just, like in like in traditional Greek plays, you know the language is so like different. Yeah, yeah, from ours that like you don't necessarily notice that they're normally talking shit throughout the entire performance about what's happening on stage and like their whole job actually is to like talk shit to the audience about what's happening and be like shit's crazy right that's really crazy but like this is just so forward facing with that um because sometimes i feel like when like people think of greek dramas they're like the chorus is dramatic and scary and like trying like, to that's like, stupid tell you no they're just bitchy they're just bitchy they're yeah. I- they're just bitchy. They're just talking. And we love happening. that. Yeah. <clears throat> Eurydice enters the underworld through an elevator. Inside, which it is raining. Upon an incredible image. Incredible. Look up, if nothing else, just set designs for like any production of this to see this elevator design is always incredible. So cool. Upon arrival, she meets her father, who tries to reteach Eurydice about her past, since she has lost her memory after being dipped in the river Lethe. The stones try unsuccessfully to stop them, because the dead are not allowed to remember their past or speak in human language. Rooms are also not allowed in the underworld, but Eurydice's father creates one for her out of pieces of string. He gradually reteaches her human language and her past. While the father is away at work, the lord of the underworld enters as a child riding a tricycle and, sorry, a, a fly flew right up my face. There has been one fly in our home for the past, like, three days that we cannot kill. It's actually embarrassing how, like, I cannot kill this fly, but he's so slow moving. He's gone now, so we'll just let him exist for a while longer. The Lord of the Underworld enters as a child riding a tricycle and attempts to seduce Eurydice, but fails. Yeah, that was creepy. Um, this was crazy. This was crazy. He's like, I have I a big... the play that I did not, like, know. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I got a big penthouse. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And a nice, nice little red tricycle. <laughs> really, what the fuck? Clash of Context AF. He said, let's ride. Please. <laughs> Bitches know they can't catch me. Boom, boom. Exactly. We don't, we don't talk enough about how silly that song is. That song is called Vroom Vroom. It is. Yeah. And people love it. I don't think I we, love it. Yeah, it's good. I don't like love it. What's the um what's the Barbie one? How does that one go? That speed, drive. speed drive. That why so many songs about a car. I, I no, I did like that one though. No, I love speed, speed drive. drive. I still listen to it. Yeah, like I would Barbie listen to that one. I also listen to it. I just couldn't think of the name at the moment. And Man I Am. Let's talk about Man I Am. Let's talk about Man I Am. That one it's goes so, so hard fucking good. Anyways, we're we're off topic, but I agree completely with that. It went off, and for what reason? Meanwhile, in the land of the living, Orpheus writes a letter to Eurydice, which her father delivers and reads to her. Orpheus also sends her a copy of the complete works of Shakespeare by attaching it to a piece of string, and Eurydice's father reads to her from King Lear. Orpheus sends another letter and then resolves to go to the underworld himself to find her. The King Lear bit was like, I was like, you're being obvious, but it's still fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. I I ate it up. And then the plate too. Like, I don't even. <laughs> oh, like it was so sad. And like, that's how she's learning to like it because it's a rever- like a role reversal. Like, it's kind of like, like instead of Cordelia trying to like, kind of like teach Leah how to like, be a fucking person it's like the opposite and it's like they're giving back to each oh it is that whole thing of like they're kind of re-experiencing their life in that like a father teaches his daughter how to read and how to be a person and helps her learn and grow and once Eurydice is a full-grown person you start to lose your your parents a little. Yeah. It's a real heavy show. In, it really is. Yeah. But in a real silly way. Yeah. There are some good quips. In especially uh Loudstone. Fuck yeah. Loudstone stay killing it. Loudstone said, I'ma be heard. I'm a Loudstone stand. In the third movement, Orpheus arrives at the gates of the underworld, singing a song so powerful it makes the stones weep. The lord of the underworld tells him that he may take Eurydice back, but only if he does not turn around to look at her. I wonder what's going to happen. Eurydice is then... Faced with the decision to either stay with her father or go back to her husband. At her father's insistence, she she follows Orpheus. 
But as she catches up to him, he she calls out his name and he turns to look at her, causing her to die a second death. <laughs> Meanwhile, her father has decided he wants to forget everything and dips himself into the river again. When Eurydice returns, her father is lying silent on the ground, having lost all of his language and memory forever. Yeah. Can we also briefly talk about how refreshing it is to get an adaptation of a Greek myth that doesn't go all vile with parent-child relationships? Like, it was very refreshing. Like, the way... I don't know. I, I I'm some, looking at you, Oedipus. I'm why looking at you, Oedipus. You do that? Oh, why the Oedipus. fuck did you do that, Oedipus? Always looking at Oedipus. It's, wow. it's Oedipus, and it's the fact that, like, well, there's Mary Zimmerman again. She directed Metamorphoses. Or no, she wrote Metamorphoses. Whatever. Well, so good. Both? I think it was both, yeah. But then it's like uh, this vile God. myth of Mira. And I literally played her in high school and I like wanted to throw up all the time everywhere. Um, but... <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Um, and like... And the fact that one of the lines, I can't remember the specifics because I'm sleepy, but um, it was like the first, like a marriage is like, like negating then the marriage of like the father and the daughter or whatever. Um, And I was like, is this going to be weird? Is this going to be gross? Is this going to be, and then it wasn't, it was literally just about like familiar relationships and like that they can be good. And I was like, okay, refreshing take Greek mythology. A refreshing positive portrayal of parents in Greek mythology. Sally Jackson core. Sally Jackson core. No, so true. So true. Yeah, I loved it. As Eurydice mourns her father, the Lord of the Underworld returns. Having grown from a child to superhuman height, he orders her to be his bride. Eurydice pens a letter to Orpheus and his next wife then immerses herself in the river and lies down in forgetfulness. Finally, Orpheus too enters from the elevator, having truly died this time. He finds Eurydice's letter to him, but because he has been dipped in the river, he cannot read it. This, at the end of this show, is so depressing. It's genius, though. Like, so good. Because, like... That is the end I of the so, play, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the end. And I think that it replaces... Okay, so, like, the original myth, like, Orpheus turning around to, like, just because he fucked up, is, like, so, like, deeply tragic as a plot point that, like, it was such a good choice to have Eurydice, like, cause that, yeah. you know, and, like, just like make that choice for herself that like she doesn't want to go. That Again, she, like, she's less of an object. She's not a MacGuffin. She's actually yeah. and the things that are happening to her by her own decision. Yeah. Um. But in true great Greek tragedy fashion, we just have to have one moment that's just like you know, without any co- like just truly upsetting. <laughs> and I was like, and now we have it. You know, like it wasn't like there was no like interesting change to an original story it was just like deeply upsetting yeah but it was cool because it also <laughs> i was like it. that has to happen in every great tragedy that's good so that's true. and it's it's really cool though because she maintains like 
that like almost like masochistic like purity of like oh so sad like of of tragedy but leaves room like sets it up earlier so that like it leaves room at the end for the audience to be like but you know like the people that used to know each other down there helped each other remember then like there is a possibility that like the three of them using whatever collective power they may have could like help each other remember in like all the time they have. So it's like not completely hopeless, but it's still so fucking sad. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This play also just made me think so much about like memory. I mean, like it's a main part of it, but like the, the way that we view it is so tragic that they don't remember, but like realistically, these characters don't feel. But it's like not. That. It, but it's not tragic for them yeah. because they don't remember. They, it's the not knowing what you've forgotten. It's 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 very. I don't know that like it was specifically written about Alzheimer's or dementia, but like that is what it's about to me i like you can't really write something about memory and not evoke degenerative diseases yeah especially when you're talking about like death and yeah aging and stuff yeah but it's like when i first read this play i had a grandparents a grandparent that was just starting to kind of go through the like it was not really something i was familiar with but then i had I've had two of my grandparents pass away in the uh, at the end of high school, and um, my grandfather had uh, dementia. And this play really brought out the experience of that. In that, like, it's so strange because it these degenerative diseases put you in a different place and time like your the loss of memory is like your memory is constantly building and so what happens when that memory isn't building linearly or is uh there's destruction non-linearly at the same time it and this play plays with that and that like you don't know what you're missing so it's more sad for the people around you. Yeah. Although I will say there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting like discussion in this play that is caused just like by some of the characters bringing it upon themselves versus when it was forced on them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like for some reason, Eurydice's father gets out unscathed and like retains some memory and then like chooses to like it's time to forget it all now and I think that's just like thinking about like I don't know I think that has more commentary on like death yeah very good place yeah exactly oh my god I can't think about the good place for too long (laughs) it gets me upset the end of that show is crazy Oh my god, open mouth. It's beautiful though. Everyone watch, <laughs> everyone watch that show. Um, so good. But yeah, I think it's that like 
that idea of like going into the light or like being at peace. And I guess they are, but then you like see the, the result of that action and it's just, you know, complete forgetfulness, which is like so interesting to consider, like, because then like there are characters like Eurydice originally and Orpheus who like it has just happened to. And that yeah. feels more like a like commentary on that, on like um the kind of degenerative diseases. But then like some people are, you know, bringing it upon themselves. And like Eurydice brings it upon herself when at the end of it of the of the play as well, which is just so so interesting. Yeah. Yep, Rooney. I like that one. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Do we have any other thoughts? Do they have other directions? Not really currently. I just all the characters have very distinct voices, like A plus. Every once in a while, you you know. You're like, oh, play, oh, you're like, oh, shit, theater is cool. Damn it. I they, know, right? They, I know. You're like, oh, good one. <laughs> Literally, like, they got me again. They got me again. <laughs> I wish for once I could read a play and it'd be like, not like, oh, that was cool. Right. Love a play. God damn it. I literally have so much more. I feel like. I entered college as a freshman with like very little knowledge of plays and the ones that I did know of, I was not like, you know, I was such a musical girly at first. Yeah. But I think maturing is liking plays when you're a theater person, honestly. Oh, fuck. oh I completely agree. And there's some people who have never matured. <laughs> Less I still love a musical. Okay. Right. Like still, still love a little tune and a song and dance, but like there, I feel like plays just sometimes have such more capacity to, to hit so much harder yeah and it depends on the musical but like i don't know i will say i enjoy a broader range of plays than musicals my yes. taste in musicals Precisely. is very specific yeah. Um, yeah exactly but plays i have such a wider range of things they can be mm-hmm. and therefore i am more likely to enjoy a play more often because there are certain types of musicals that I will never like. Yeah. Or musically. Also, I feel like there's, there's commercialization of everything in like, you know, the Broadway theater sense and like what shows get top billing and stuff. But I feel like there have just been more when it comes to like things that have made the like, a Broadway or like off-Broadway debuts, like plays just get a little more leeway to be interesting. I oh, agree. Sure. Um then because they're not gonna make plays. any money no matter what. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So they can just be more interesting. Yeah. And they also like, you know, a lot more interesting ideas can get off the ground when they don't have the additional costs of um the extra two elements that are included in musicals of music and music dance. and dance right right so well sometimes they have that sometimes they have, yeah sometimes there are plays with dance 
So I don't know if they're music. Plays with music start to blur the lines for me. Yeah, because then what is a musical? It's not playing with music. Loved Cambodian rock band. Like truly one of that was a musical. And it was technically under signatures. Um no, that was not a signature. I can't remember. It was te- maybe it was actually. It was. <laughs> like, it was a signature. Okay, yeah, that was under signature season as a play with music, which like I get in a sense that like it was not. No, but it was the musical. No, that was the musical. Let's talk about it. Um, but and it was great. Literally, so good. I don't know so if there's any recordings of Cambodian rock band, but if there is one, everyone should go. It, it's it's cast recording. It's amazing. Yeah, listen to the cast recording at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, even more proof. It's musical. But like I feel like plays with dance kind of bend the vibe a little more when you're not you're not singing. What do we want to give an offering for? Ooh. Loudstone. <laughs> I think Loudstone needs at least one. Yeah, for sure. That Wikipedia summary did not do a good enough job at no, showing it, how funny the the, the stones, stones are yeah. chorus. Um, cause they, they really weren't there for the plot. Like, you know, they helped further it a little bit. They cried when Orpheus sang and like, that was important. Yeah. But like, otherwise they were just there to be bitchy and be funny. Loved be- it. The voice of the people. The, vo- the voices of the people. Exactly. Um, I'll, I'll give mine to Eurydice's father, I think work yeah i feel like i should give one for eurydice i agree because no one else has but because of the ending of the play i think eurydice has a lot of catharsis that's real and it comes to ter- she kind of does embrace the forgetting yes definitely however orpheus i feel like is the one who gets like fucked the most at the end of the play and he was a sweet boy like he didn't deserve it like he he wasn't a dick like where i love orpheus yeah yeah i was like oh damn he really uh perhaps killed himself or um, or time is weird. Um, yeah, it could have been yeah. like years between these things happening, and we just like would have no concept of it. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would have. To, it would honestly probably maybe be like based on production choices. Yeah, like if they had the actor in different clothes yeah. or makeup, like depending, you know, to but try and show that passive. The point. point is, he is older. Nope, he's dead. <laughs> or both. <laughs> both. Uh, would be Bofa. Um, but yeah, he was a sweet boy. Who are we voting off? The tricycle. I think the tricycle's funny. <laughs> it's a funny choice, but like if someone came up and did that to me and was on a tricycle, it would make it 400 times worse. Yeah. So. Real. <laughs> so that's my reason. It's also a child. It's a funny choice. Um, mine is the man who pushes her down the stairs. Yeah. Mine is um any asshole who's played Orpheus. Like, if you're like a shit person and you played that sweet boy, you don't deserve to. 
work. I agree. I respect your gatekeeping. Yeah. Thank you. Because you know there's been at least one. Gatekeep for good. <laughs> Gatekeep for good. And with that, that's all for this week. Join us next week where we'll be reading The Burning Maze. Chapters one through four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Return to Camp on every platform that matters. And we also have a coffee account and a Redbubble store and a website. www.returntocamp.com Bye. Bye. Forget you ever listened to this. All right. And then listen again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>